Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today is Jamie Elizabeth Thompson. She is on Instagram as the Holistic Sex Coach. Holistic Sex Coach. I'll have that in the notes. We're going to talk about sex today, people, which made me shy, but Jamie is the perfect person to talk to about sex. She has developed a holistic body of work to support women, men, and couples with letting go of limiting patterns around sex so they can have a fulfilling, intimate life and taste their most exquisite erotic expression. That's from her bio. I love it. I want that. I would like an exquisite erotic expression. I would like to taste that. She is the founder of Awakened Woman, a curriculum and community for women to reconnect with their feminine sensuality and power and turn on their orgasmic potential. Love this conversation with Jane. She will go anywhere. She is so deep. She's such a profound thinker and risk taker. She's incredibly brave and her willingness to be vulnerable is just, I find her so inspiring and I, I'm sure you will find her inspiring also. So please enjoy my conversation with the sexy, vulnerable, and brilliant Jamie Elizabeth Thompson. So what's been going on? You've been having some supernatural. What, what, what's happening? Are we starting? Are we, We're starting. You just go. Okay. I'm just going. Okay. I'll so we just intro. have a I'll conversation. Yeah, okay. We're gonna have a conversation. Okay. Um. What is going on? You have you have lots of supernatural stuff. You're a witch. Is this is this accurate yes. to say that you are a witch? One of the things I am is a witch. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean, a witch? I mean, I have my sense of what it means, but what do you, what does it mean to you? It, it means the way that I look at reality and move through reality is counter to the mainstream. And what, what, hold on, I'm going to shut the, it's, we're going to keep going. I'm going to shut the curtain because you're backlit. And <laughs> the way you look at reality is counter to the mainstream. And there's, and there's more than that. There's also, there's also magic, wow. you know, there's, um, I live in a world where magic is normal. What is, what do you mean magic? Like things happen in this very interesting multidimensional way where I'll have one thought of something and then another piece will come in and it seems to be this amazing synchronicity and then someone will reach out to me about that thing and then I'll think I'm going in one direction and then something else will come and um, it's really a way of listening and allowing life to consistently move me in the directions that it is meant to so it's it's a it's a state of being in a lot of unknown and surprise and that's been happening for you lately Yes, yes, that's been happening. What's been lately. happening? If you want to share, yeah. Um, well, you know, with it's 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 interesting because I, you know, have been really deeply feeling the collective and a lot of the things that are unraveling right now, as I know you have and many of us have. Yeah, and there are it, the experience is almost like different timelines that are happening simultaneously that occur as channels like lanes on a freeway that I just like switch over into 
and one moment I'm in like, oh my goodness, what is happening? Another moment I'm in, wow, this is the greatest opportunity that we've ever experienced. Another moment I'm like experiencing these full like streams of light coming in. Another moment it's occurring as very shamanic or mythic with different um, energies represented in um, like visual entities of, of sorts. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a full on, it's a full on trip. And what, what do you, what do you, do you have a sense of what's like, what's going on from your perspective? Can you, can you even describe it or talk about it? Hmm. Yeah, there's it's a big question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like what's happening for you? Like what's happening inside you? Like, how are you experiencing this? Like emotionally, spiritually, physically? Yeah, what's happening inside me is, you know, something that I also see reflected externally if people choose to opt into it. And that is the opportunity that we have to go through a collective death initiation. A death initiation. That's what's happening. That makes sense to me. Like something is dying, some old... This is my take on it. Something, something is dying, some old world, old structures, old systems that's, that are external, but also internal. Things inside us, like perspectives, um, identities, and that there's a collective purging or awakening that's happening. That's, that's painful. It's painful to let go or change. And, and yeah, it is, it is a death. And so, and in that death, there's a lot of holding on. There's a lot of, uh, resistance. And when uh, something is, is dying or feels like it's being killed, it's going to create an enemy. It's going to attack it any way it knows how. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it feels threatened and it's in terror. And when there's terror, there's, uh, like psychosis that can happen, a kind of madness. And, um, that's what I see. I see happening, which is like complete terror and insanity and mass delusion. And I think there's a lot of people holding on to, um, people who have been doing like work, trying to understand what's going on. People like you, people like me, I think, uh, who's been spending a long time trying to understand ourselves and understand the world under, understand our own trauma. And, um, and so I, th I think, I think we're seeing things. Some, I'm not saying, I don't think we can, any of us are seeing it perfectly clearly. It's impossible in the fog of war, but why are all of us like these people getting into the things we're getting into, like getting into self-development, getting into healing, getting into all this plant medicine stuff, that explosion that happened in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, like there has to be a reason for it. There, something is guiding that. Uh, because there was an awakening coming and it, it, it needs leaders to help shepherd it. That's, that's what, that's one thing that I think about. And so d does that resonate with you? Yeah, it, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to dissect and a lot of really brilliant minds that, and you're one of them that I know who dissects what's happening in a really elegant way. Um, I I tend to be like, I am, my practice is staying in the unknown right now and, and, and actually like witnessing what's happening and just being with it and, and noticing where like I can go into 
you know, interpretations of reality that cause various experiences in my body. Um, or I can actually like rest in the groundlessness. Mm. Like there's, there's an opportunity right now to be in a place that is, it's incredibly tender. It's like a shaky part of reality where we actually don't know. And cause that's actually what's going on is we yeah. actually don't know. Yeah. And, and I love all the interpretations right. of the brilliant minds and, and I feel like my role and what I am being my part that I'm being called into is, you know, just deepening in the embodiment and the capacity to stay, just stay present as it's unfolding. Stay present, like with yourself, like with what's happening inside you, with what you're experiencing. Yes. And with, with what is happening immediately, like there, there's something of like, well, these various things might happen. Like the timelines I was talking about on the road, like I can feel all of these potentials and it's like staying in a particular position where all are available at like all timelines are accessible. And I'm it's like, it's the eye of the storm to me. It's, 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 it's resting in the eye of the storm. And then sometimes I get completely rocked by like these waves of grief or terror or something that comes over. And then it's just feeling it all the way through right. and, and coming back. Um, and you know, my, my, I think my biggest, like if I had a crusade right now, it's, um, it's, it's more about supporting the people who are ready to unplug from the whatever programming they're plugged into and begin sense-making and feeling and thinking for themselves. Like that's really my biggest thing right now is like the individual coming back into their own sovereign awareness in that way. Yeah. Sovereignty. Yeah. That's a word that I've been thinking about a lot and it's hard the the collective the the force the energy of uh the machine the state the media the the trying to control and it's 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 really um i can feel it in me i was talking to angela about this the other day i could feel the part of me that i just want to give over i just want to i can relax into it smoke a joint watch some netflix just like chill out like i can feel how kind of easy comfortable that is but then I, I'm giving something up. Like it's there's some part of my consciousness that gets dulled or diluted. And the other way is, yeah, standing up all the way inside yourself. But then you are in uh, some kind of conflict. There's some kind of spiritual war happening. I th- like I, I don't want to overstate it, but I, it does feel like there's a fucking war on some level right? Between good and bad. And maybe it's just inside each and every one of us. I mean, that's one of the ways that I try to think about it. It's like, I just have to win the war inside of me every day to not succumb to resentment and bitterness and anger and judgment, because it's easy to out there with everything that's going on, all of the lies, right? And can I stay centered inside myself, see reality, but also understand like this is an unfolding process. It's a, it's a natural organic thing. It has to happen. It, ha- it can't go any other way. 
And all I can do is stay, you know, centered, grounded inside myself, be in the unknown, not, not spend too much time trying to figure it out. Cause of course it, it's totally unknown. Um, and that, that's, that's all we can, that's all we can do right now. And the practice of that is actually kind of, it's awesome. Like it's, it's, I feel like I'm uh, the best version of myself is coming online because of the challenge, uh, the current challenge of, of everything that's happening in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, this is an advanced course if we're, if we're willing, I mean, right. we're just getting so much material to, to learn how to be, you know, some kind of energetic ninja right now. I mean, there, there is, there is a, there is some kind of a spiritual war that feels like it's happening. Like there, there's something like that. And, um, I mean, again, I don't know, but that's one of the, that's one of the lanes that, that I can go into. And, and I, you know, when it comes to this stuff of like the war between, you know, dark and light and, and, and all of that, I, I have a, like an approach of really like finding myself in it, like finding myself in the thing that I think is bad or, or finding myself in the other side. I mean, this is just one of my, one of my kind of practices is, 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 is like the location of the thing that is my shadow is probably the thing that I hate. So where is it over there? Where is it in me? And just being in it, like in connection with that of like, like you said, maybe this is something that's playing out inside of each of us that's happening, right. you know, holographically in reality. I mean, who knows, but to be in connection where I'm not like victimized by it. Like that's one thing I'm, right. I'm really tracking is like, where do I go into, Oh, well this is all happening and now I'm victimized by it. Right. Versus like actually just being with the, the, the chaos. I mean the, the insanity mm-hmm. and, um, being like practicing. I mean, I know you've been in rooms where there's a lot of chaos as well before. And there, there's something about that practice of being in a room where there's chaos right. and where I'm like, okay, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Uh, where's this going to go next? Is this okay? Are we, are we crossing the line? Is it, and, and just being with it. And, and there's something of that kind of training right now that feels like that kind of energetic ninja. Um, and you know, there are some times where I'm like, am I, you know, am I not really getting the depth of the, the potential evil and darkness that's here. Like sometimes I question that, you know, if I'm a little too relaxed about the whole thing, I don't know. Um, but I feel, I feel really centered most days Mm -hmm. and, and then, or completely like a mess, you know, sobbing and like primal screaming on the floor. It's like one or the other, <laughs> but it's moving through it. Yeah. If it's there, do you get, are you getting scared at all? I've, I've, I've felt so, like terror. Yeah. The, the terror has been, it, it doesn't live as much like fear for me. It's, it's more like it's, it's, it's terror. And, and the thing the most though is grief is just like this, like unending well of grief for humanity. Right. For humanity. Do you, 
do you, yeah, do you tell yourself a story about that grief or do you just let yourself experience it? My experience of grief is it, it doesn't, it doesn't usually have a story. Sometimes there's, I mean, that that's, that's more is a story and not grief. Um, the actual grief is, is just something that, that moves through and sometimes it'll be triggered by something, but often it's just like a, it's a wave that, that moves, that moves through. And then after there's more space, you know, right. and more and more clarity. It's really just a letting go grieving. Yeah. I think now, I, I, I mean, obviously yeah. I've never thought about it in that way. There's something about like, we hold on to things that we love or we're attached to, or that are known that brought us safety or comfort. And then the world changes or we change. And those things, uh, they leave. I mean, they literally can leave. Human beings can leave this planet or, or something's not useful to us anymore. And, and yeah, we have to grieve it. We have to, we have to let go. I, I don't, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be in the unknown. What, what do you, like you said, that's what you're doing. That's your practice right now, which I think is a, is a good, I mean, we, we have no choice. And in fact, it's like, it, this is where I get into trouble when I, I want to hold on to something. I mean, that's my blind spot, not blind spot, but my tendency is like, I'm going to figure this out. Like all this chaos is going in the world. And if I can figure it out, if I can somehow create some mental model, which is, you know, not, it's okay. But if I'm too attached to that, right, that's just a way I'm defending against the chaos and the unknown. And it's, it's actually, there's more information if I'm willing to stay in the unknown and just like feel into that, into that knowing. And, and then things can come to me, right? And little, and maybe it doesn't, it's, it's not linear. It's not all kind of rational, but, but there's information in that. And it's not an easy practice. How, do you, do you think about, um, like staying in the unknown? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? I love it. So there, there is a, a practice that I do and that I am working people, working with people in, in groups right now. And it's called unraveling. And it's about being in the unknown and, and like being present, being with the unknown until something arises and then allowing that thing that arose to move fully through your body using something that I refer to as original language, which is breath, movement, sound, and touch. Because before we were adults, when we were babies, we all knew how to do this already, and we were experts at releasing. And then we grew up and became adults and suddenly, you know, became serious and contained and forgot our original language of breath, movement, sound, and touch. And so just using those as like, okay, these are my only tools right? It's like bringing, bringing the, the person back into a place of out, outside of the regular constructs that are created with the English language, right. right? It's like when we're speaking, we immediately go into a different part of our brain. We're in the prefrontal cortex, right? So if we can actually relax the prefrontal cortex and allow the limbic system to come online and allow the involuntary layer of reality to to move to the surface and then move through us by giving it form mm -hmm. in breath, movement, sound, the, it, it, the energy actually knows exactly the pathway that it needs to go on in your body to unravel. It's, it's our mind and our ideas 
uh, that, that get in the way. So the, the practice is really being in being with yourself in these experiences and the expressions that come out are absolutely remarkable. Um, it's every, and it's, it's all spectrums. Like it's all the way from like the deepest trauma to, you know, light language and, you know, codes of other dimensions that are coming through. I mean, it's like, it's all, it's the entire spectrum that of like the darkest dark and the lightest light that begins to come through when the, when the vessel is open and, and the energy can, can move through. And so there's, you know, we do these different practices to really, um, open the vessel. And that, so that's one thing that I feel coming into this whole experience in 2020, when, you know, COVID came about, it was like, there was this massive sigh of relief that I had been already doing this for over a decade, right? That practicing releasing, practicing staying present in chaos, practice, practicing being in the unknown, practicing meeting what's here and, and letting go of mental projections of it. it. It was like, so, so there's some, there's some experience of, uh, well, there are parts of this that I am way out of my depth and know nothing about the managing the emotional and embodied experience of this and staying present is something I've been training my whole life for. What, what drew you to this kind of work? Like, and how did you, how did you learn this? Cause what you said, I mean, I want to get to the light language and, uh, codes from other dimensions. <laughs> you said, <laughs> and let's get there in a minute, but where, like, where, where did you learn this? Cause everything you just said makes perfect sense to me. And, uh, and I don't know if people listening, it, you know, you say it in a way that it, 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 it's interesting. The way you say it is almost like how the experience of it, what, what the experience feels like. It's, it's, you can feel the truth in it, but it's hard to actually wrap your mind around what it, it is. It's, it's really a felt experiential thing. And what, like, what, why did you, what, what drew you to that work and, you know, and how did, how did you learn about it? Yeah. Um, I, I've always been fascinated by what makes humans do what they do. Like that was essentially, you know, when I was, when I was 17, I was, you know, I was very rebellious and just hated authority, breaking all the rules. And my mom, uh, she's, a, she's also a witch, but she forgot that she's a witch in this lifetime, but she sent me to a life coach and this woman started doing these alternative modalities with me. And this is in Montana. Yeah, this is in Montana. Like the, you know, just the, probably the only person in Montana doing this. I don't know how some kind of, you know, synchronicity that we connected. Uh, but through working with her, you know, she would do these things with like this, like rapid eye switching and like, you know, hypnotherapy and, and some of these other EMDR, some practices like really young that I was um, exposed to. And I, I had the experience of the first time of, of, of waking up. Like I had the experience of being like I was inside of my life and I was sleepwalking 
and doing a lot of damage. And there was a moment in session with her, her name was Gail, where I saw the pattern that I was running that was just running unconsciously and saw that I was, that it was like, I was just directing. I saw channels of energy that were being directed into destroying everything instead of creating anything. And wow. And you, so the, you saw your channels of energy, your pattern that was intent on destroying things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, and it was, it, it was, it was righteous about it. You know, I mean, it was like, you are wrong and you're telling me what to do. So I'm, I'm going to destroy everything like it was, but which, you know, there's a pattern we see playing out in the collective right now. Right. Yeah. And so in, in seeing that I had the first experience of my own energy and my own power. Now, mind you, it was a long road, you know, before I came back to that, but that was a waking up point and a moment, um, that really stands out. And then eventually, you know, I made my way to California and, you know, I got, I got into, I got into all kinds of healing work, like just in, in integration, like really young was just like, Oh my God, like, this is what I want to do. I mean, I knew that I wanted to do what this woman did for me because it changed everything. Right. Like it, it was like one moment and I stopped being such a shithead in one moment. Like it was, mom it was just, happy. Yeah, mom was stoked. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, then, then when my mom found out I became a sex coach, she wasn't stoked again, but, um, but you know, it was, it was in that, that journey of just discovering more about the power that we actually have. Mm -hmm. And, and it all came in through, you know, various trainings in embodiment or sexuality or, um, energy. And I mean, a lot of, very alternative mystery school type of stuff that mm -hmm. is super weird to most people. But to me, it's like, I've, I've seen things that should be impossible that are actually not impossible. And it changes the way that, um, that we can like perceive reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you, you are oriented toward life. I mean, you started saying this, you know, at the beginning, like that your orientation to life is yeah of the magical you know relying on synchronicity trusting that there's uh an intelligence out there and that if you you don't have to impose your will on the world you can um you know set your intention but in a sense surrender and trust what's going to unfold is that is that what you that is that an accurate way to describe it I feel like that's, that's half of it. I also feel that, uh, that there's a, there's a trap in that, that I've experienced directly. Uh, and that is, um, being, being at the, being at the mercy of life in a way where, uh, I wasn't fully participating in the co-creation of it. Like, I don't believe that surrender is like a fish, you know, a dead fish being like taken by the current, right? It's an active posture. Mm -hmm. Surrender is an active posture where we are meeting life and in presence with it, but moving from listening and letting the energy lead, not our, our idea of how it should go lead. Right. How did you get into the sex coaching world? What, like what drew you to that? 
Let's see. There's an experience that's coming to mind. I was in um, working with a mentor of mine that I worked with for eight years. And we would create this like a group field environment and 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 we would do movement practices like it was like movement practices but this guy could literally read your entire makeup like he could tell you this happened with your childhood this is how much money you make this is what your issues are in relationship with before ever hearing you speak just by watching you move fascinating wow and and so it and so that that was one of the early kind of trainings that I was really deeply immersed in was this ability to tune into the field and receive the information that it's speaking all the time, but you have to just know how to interpret it. It's like a translation that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And, and in that experiencing, there's so much information and it's, it's learning how to work with, you know, the space and, and energy and, and your body, um, in, with a level of mastery instead of just like unconsciously going through, going through life. So, you know, and, and we did all kinds of, you know, shadow work. And, um, I mean, there was all kinds of you know, co-regulating practice and, um, just like becoming more embodied, like actually entering our vessel and ha- and, and receiving and owning the power that we're stewarding in our vessel. And, there was an experience where something started happening in the room where, and, and Carl pointed it out to me one day and he's like, you know, that every time your partners with one of the women in the room, their sensual sexual energy turns on. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, and, and, and started to feel that as it was like, there was something that was happening in in, in this space that was like a, you know, what I would now call a gift, although I had no idea what that would mean at that time. Um, but it just, it, 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 it was like some kind of transmitter, right? I mean, that's what we're working with, with energy, right? It's like, you know, mirror neurons are firing. And so there's something in my system. And I started like paying attention to it more and then, and then went into, you know, studying, um, Tantra and, you know, sacred sexuality and, and, various different aspects of, um, of that. And, and also, you know, it's, it also to say something that I'm starting to speak about a little bit more now is part of what I think was happening is I had grown up in such a religious kind of very repressed kind of environment. Um, and sexually, like, just like, you know, kind of typical religious, uh, traditional home in that way. And, but I had a ton of, I always had a ton of sexual energy. Like it was like, I was just, it was, it was like a, I say I was like raised to like drive a tricycle and I actually had a NASCAR. <laughs> like I was just like, okay, <laughs> there's just a lot of energy. And, and so that is part of what like drew me over into this other end of the pendulum swing where, you know, there was a, a point in my early 20s where I found myself um, working in gentlemen's club in Las Vegas and really learning how sexual energy works in a way that is um, just a complete mystery to people who haven't experienced it on that level. 
there's something that happens in that, in that space that, um, really opens up a particular channel. And, and I feel that that was, that channel was just opened then. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This feels like my power. This feels like, um, this feels like the thing that I, that was always, um, walled off in my childhood Mm -hmm. that I was always like, what is behind that wall? Whatever that is, I want to know what it is. And I felt like I discovered it in the strip club and then completely misused it. You know, like I was, you know, this was incredibly manipulative and, you know, was really good at getting what I wanted and, and learned how to use the energy in a way that was, you know, in, in a level of distortion. Um, until I quit and, and then had a whole lot of work that I made for myself to do to clear all of that, you know, karma and just like really be honest with myself that that was, that I had done that, you know, that I had done something that I knew was wrong, but that not working in the strip club, that, that was okay. But, but the manipulation that I engaged in, I knew was wrong and I did it anyway. So it's like, just like dealing with myself in that. And Anyway, fast forward, you know, back to this, you know, the, the room in this, in this container that I was in, what I see, my sense of what was happening now is something had turned on in me through this experience of, of, of being a dancer that then was just in me. And so I would just be in movement practice with some woman and, and that thing would turn on in her because that thing that turned on in me in the strip club is off in many women. Right. And, and that's where it's like the, the, the feminine radiance and, and like essence and, and the, the effervescent, the turn on, like all these issues of anxiety and overwhelm and low libido. And I don't know where my power is and, and all of that, I believe stem back to a, a disconnection from our sexual life force. Right. Well, maybe you had to go into the darkness, the shadow of your sexual power and, and, and manipulate to, to know it so that you could then teach it. And, and with the awareness of the, you know, an embodied awareness of the shadow of it. Yeah. Otherwise you get like probably into trouble when you're, you're trying to teach it if you're not aware of the shadow. So it makes, it makes sense. So my, my sense, so yeah, a lot of women, they're, that's, they're not, that's not turned on in them. So that's how it, it started. It's like, you get comfortable with that part of you. You have all this sexual energy. Women are like wanting permission to feel that and you are able to help them. And that's how it started. Now, I, I, now it seems like it's evolved or maybe it hasn't. This is my perception and you can you know, tell me if I'm wrong or clarify it, but it's almost like from reading, you know, what you write and and watching your videos is that sexuality and sexual energy and waking that is, um, is a path to God. It's a path to spiritual connection. It's a path to creativity. It's a path to your power. Like it's all one thing. And so, and, and probably, I mean, I can feel it in me right now. Like talking about sex, I feel shy. I feel a little like nervous. Cause I, you know, I have some things that you wrote that I want to talk about. And I, I can, you know, I can feel my own, I guess, sexual shame or shyness around it. And you are just out with it. Like you're fully out. Is, was that, um, 
was there was there a risk there for you or were you always confident or you know how how did that happen where you just came out because you make a lot of um yeah provocative what my, some may consider provocative statements in in your writing and and uh yeah how, how is that for you to hold that yeah it's 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 been a journey i one of the things that trained me in that was when you work in a strip club you learn how to be out with that energy and hold whatever comes either you you know circle the drain of it and get hooked on drugs and go down a you know a, a an unfortunate path that i saw many women go down or you're there's a few women that really hold it as rain rain okay <laughs> a few women that really hold it as a business and, and find their power in it. I feel like that was an initial training ground of, of, and I mean, it was incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, I used to have, I took many shots of tequila in order to, right. in order to like, you know, How old to were start. you when you started yeah, dancing? 21. 20 is so crazy. Young. Like you don't know anything when you're 21. You don't no. know your own body. You don't know. Nope. And there you learn you are, very like quickly showing all your parts and dancing and turning on these, all these men, weird men and weird energy. I mean, like learning how, I mean, there, there's some, there's some technologies that, you know, human technologies such as transmutation that I realize now turned on in me in there as like, I was just transmuting energy, like in, in, in my body, there was a, there was like, like you could throw something at me and I would like, and like breathe it out and it would be something different. Like right. there was, there was an actual, some kind of capacity that I developed probably out of, you know, some level of survival that now I'm like, oh, this is a really great skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, and that's one of the pieces that, you know, I continue and you, you and I have had in-depth conversations about this that I, and one thing I really admire about you and your work is, is also how, you know, we're out in different ways. Yeah. And the ways that you're out are more edgy for me than the ways that I'm out. Interesting. So it, it's, it's just, you know, there's different, like this particular arena is, is my arena. And I'm just so clear that this is, a root of the suffering and the chains that humanity is in right. that, that I, I just, I can't not, it's, it's yeah. like, this is mine to do. And, and I'm given the, the wherewithal to do it. And like you said, for me, it's a, this is a, it's, this is a sacred, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's like, I'm not holding something that's like lewd and dirty in my experience like it's it's sacred like i'm i'm holding a pathway to god like i'm i'm supporting people in discovering how god plays through them through their sexuality because sexuality and spirituality are two ends of the same channel well and and those uh sublime sexual moments those transcendent sexual moments that hopefully we've all had and uh, you do feel the, close to God. I don't know if I've ever felt closer to God. You feel the union. There's something so pure and magical in it. 
And yet we still hold, I mean, the fact that pornography is so popular, I mean, that, that's, that must yeah. be the shadow of it. And all of the shame that is out there around sexuality. And I know I carry it. My mother had a lot of sexual shame. I, I picked up on it. The culture has a lot of sexual shame. I, I you know, I still, I, I'm reasonably healed, but it's still there. Like I get shy when I read some of your writing that says just, just cause you guys, you gotta hear what Jamie writes about. This is just, when a man comes on a woman, She's the altar for his sacred seed of creation. For a woman initiated into priestess and muse as her art and service, receiving his come is a deep honor. He does not need to be conscious for her to open his offering as the seed of creation. Alchemy occurs in the razor's edge of her reception. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Mm-hmm. As a man reading that, it feels a humbling and erotic and it, it takes that whole act. Yeah. It takes it into the, into the sacred. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How is that? Do you, I mean, that's, that's an intense thing. I don't, I don't know if it's intense, but it's, there's not a lot of people putting that out into the world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little intense. <laughs> you just read that right now, and I didn't know that was coming. But I'm like, oh, wow. Put it out there, but to read it back, yeah, how is that? How I, is that experience I for you? Feel, I feel um, like the the biggest feeling that I experience in hearing that read back is, is, is moved. Mm. Like, I'm moved by the capacity and the the union that happens when we choose to enter it consciously in that way yeah and and each it, it's it's like there's this there's this ability and this this desire and this fascination maybe obsession that i have with like zooming in on each of these pieces that has contained shame or confusion or distortion of some kind and unpacking what it actually is. Right. So that there's a level of truth and the true code of what it is is seen. Because, you know, I mean, you see a million men coming all over women in porn and it's like, that's not what you're seeing. You're not seeing that code. And so I feel like in the depths of the most taboo places is where I've gone with like night vision to, to open it up and see what actually is the seed that's inside of this. And how can it be an an altar, which is really what this this was about, was being an altar for a creation. And when I really unpacked it, and I had this, this was actually a direct uh, experience that, that was, that channeled through after having an experience where I was like, Oh my God, I get it. Like it it just, it was like, I, I know what this is. Like, I know what this potential actually is with the seed and with the altar and how we're holding this can be in such a way that it 
is the codes of creation happening viscerally, physically right now? Yeah. So, sec- yeah, it, it, yeah. It's just, yeah, the sacredness of it. Like it turns it, I, I made a video this morning. I have this fortify your soul group going on and, and they're just, they're doing their daily tasks. Um, you know, walking, meditating, we're all in a group together trying to just get better. And, um, and I made a video this morning about like turning everything into uh, making everything sacred. Like, can you make your meditation sacred? Can you make go your walk that you're going to go on today? Can you make that sacred? Cause I just was in a sweat lodge last night and everything in the Lakota tradition, everything is sacred. Everything they do, there's a, there's a little ritual around it and so much power in that. And, and it's easy to forget. Um, so there's something in what I'm hearing is that you're, you're bringing sacredness to sexuality, sacred sexuality, uh, but also bring it, as you said, in like into the darkest shadow aspects, because a man coming on a woman, what we see in porn, it's, there's a lot of dominance and submission or it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's It's insulting or, or it's, or it's about him. It's not about her. Like there's, there's a lot of dynamics. Right. And I've even felt shamed. I mean, where else are you going to finish? It's just right. You know, it's right there. Like it's, and there's a, like in that act, sometimes it's just like you're finishing and but when you put it like that, there's something, yeah, it changes something. Like it really did impact me. And it, it, it makes me feel, like it makes me connect to the sacredness of that seed inside me. And then you go on to write about like uh, containing that seed mm-hmm. and seeing it as sacred and having uh, sovereignty over that is, is really a man's responsibility. Um, what... So, and this is also, I would, I would assume, and I know that you are provocative and confronting to a lot of feminist women for, I mean, I know that's a <laughs> big, broad category, but, mm-hmm. um, who would see, maybe read something like that and find that offensive. Uh, how, wh- what is it that you're trying to help women understand or, or teach women right now? That they don't need him to be different for them to know their power. Right. Ever. Um, and that the and, and just what you said, like it you just said that after reading this, you have a deeper connection through the feminine reception and like receiving that transmission, you have a deeper connection with your truth around your seed and what that means to you. And this is the lost art of feminine wisdom. Right. Is, is the teaching through the, the invitation and reception instead of this like, everybody needs to change and just, you know, hammering them on the head with it, which is actually just, you know, distorted masculine running through the feminine. Mm-hmm. It's masculine ego that, that uh, many traditional feminists are... Um, are operating from on an energetic level. Um, now I have a deep reverence and respect for the feminine and for the masculine. And, uh, I have no interest in dominating men or, or like 
doing back to men what men did to women. Like it's like that, that is just more of the, the same power trip playing out. So I just, I don't play that game at all. And some women really don't resonate with it because they want to play that game. And that's okay. I don't, I'm actually not here to change anyone's mind. I'm here to work with those who are ready right. for that. And how delicious it actually feels as a feminine woman to be in this space of, I mean, I call it, it's invitation. It's being the invitation of what you want, of what you want from him. Like if I, if I am receiving your seed as if it's your the creation of the God mind and your soul coming through you. And I am receiving that as a sacred altar. It changes you right? as a man. Like yes. I, I've witnessed yes. it. You just can't, you're like, uh, you, you want him to have more, you know, reverence and respect and love for you. Like that's, that's being the invitation as the feminine. It reminds me of when I was in my mid twenties, I had a, girlfriend and we had a dynamic sex life and we're experimenting. We were young and we were trying new things and she was, uh, wanted me to be more aggressive. She was encouraging me to be more aggressive, more dominant. And I didn't really know exactly what that meant. It felt scary. It felt wrong, but she kept encouraging me. So I, I went into it and I remember the moment where I surrendered to that part of me. And I just let myself have it kind of let myself just take her and do what I wanted, but I was conscious and embodied and I felt her body completely give over to me. Like she just surrendered and I, I felt it. And in that moment, I understood something about feminine sexuality and just the feminine in general, that surrender, was so powerful. It was the most powerful force I could have imagined. It was far more power th powerful than the aggression dominance that I was exerting. And I just was in total awe of her ability to just give over. And it was, it changed my whole conception about what surrender meant or what the feminine meant, um, or femininity. And so that, that was a, a a powerful experience for me that changed me. And then I remember, you know, cause I, I work with a lot of men and I'm, you know, a lot of them have struggles with their women and, um, the women don't want to surrender to them. And in part because they're, they, they don't trust the men. And, and I get why some of these men are not trustworthy. So why would a woman surrender to a man who's not in his integrity, right? Who's not bringing his authority and bringing his power and bringing his sovereignty to the relationship. A woman intuitively is just not going to trust that. And I remember telling you that, and you said, <laughs> you said, well, the woman's got to surrender to the man in front of her. And I told that to the guy and they, <laughs> and they all were just kind of went wide eyed, like realizing it's a two way street. And then I talked to another woman about that. And she was like, oh, if I, when I surrender to my man all the way, I can turn him into a king. Yep. And that, that blew me away. Then now you're talking about real, that's real empowerment for women, right? Because it's not trying to be co-op the, the masculine. It's like all the way into the feminine. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it, it's, 
if she it's so hot too. If the, it's just so I just I love this fucking hot. It's so it's so hot. That's is exactly right. And and it's like if it so the feminine is all about feeling, right? And 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 being and and being full and receiving. And we have the capacity to be receiving even if he's not giving the thing we're receiving. Right. That's the feminine power and that's the code that's missing from a lot of things that think he needs to be the one to turn me on. It's like, no, we're actually receiving it. Of course, you know, speak up, give, you know, give direction, let them know what feels good. Like all of that. It's not, it's not like you're just this pat. It's not passive at all. It's, it's actually very active, but it's active in reception Mm -hmm. and in the way that we are, we are, are pulling it, it into us (laughs) and the, to receive a man's power when he's really bringing it is, I mean, it's, it's the greatest experience for, for the feminine because it actually, it actually also obliterates the feminine ego, which is incredibly uncomfortable. If you haven't experienced it before, there's, there's something in this whole thing as we're talking about this, I can literally feel the feminine egos out there listening to this conversation. And it's like, it, it, you have to dismantle this idea of domination and control. Right. And, and that, that you need to fight men and compete with men for something. It's like, we're actually occupying different spaces. So there's no competition, right? There's, there's no like, you know, well, I need him and this whole thing, like I need him to, you know, to, to do all these different things. Um, when, when you can actually call that forth in him and my work is, is to be receiving what, what I want. Right. Right. And I, I can feel like for me in that it's very easy for me to get pulled into her complaint about, I'm not, I'm not getting what I want from you and, and taking responsibility for that. Like I've, I've done that. Right. And now that I'm older and a, a little bit wiser, I can feel where I can tolerate her complaint and, uh, not take, if I don't take it on, Right. If I don't take on her complaint, um, then she has to feel something, right? Like she has to feel something inside her that, it, that often it comes from a place of anxiety, right? Like there's something inside me that I don't want to feel there's, I want to be wanted or desired in a particular kind of way. And I'm not getting that. And you need to give that to me. And now I take it on as a man, as a, because now I'm doing something wrong. So now I'm not in my fucking power at all. I'm a little boy trying to make mommy happy and that's not going to turn her on. She may get the, you know, the feminine ego, she may get what she wants in the short term, but it's actually not giving her what she really wants. So it's, I I get, what am I saying? It's like to be present for the complaint or, or the feedback, right. And hear it as a man, but not necessarily to, to take it on as your responsibility, just be with it. Doesn't mean you can't make adjustments, but, and this is true for everything in life. Like you can't, you can't take on other people's, you can just be with them there. Right. And so I, I see that a lot too. And, and you know, I think because you, there's a lot of men out there who were raised by their mothers, fathers weren't around. That was my story. And so it's like, they're very oriented to, uh, I have to make 
the woman happy. And if I'm not making her happy, um, I'm doing something wrong. And it's just, it's a, that's a complete fucking turnoff for women. I Mm. think Mm. this is, this is great because there's, um, you're speaking to the, you know, the shadow of the way that, you know, she becomes mother and he becomes son. And there's a, there's like a weird dynamic that happens when a man is, uh, thinks that his worth is dependent on her having a particular time. Right. Right. Very common. There's, there's, there's a whole nother way of looking at this though, for, for the masculine that I've experienced from the feminine side that is just absolutely exquisite to receive. Mm -hmm. And, and it's when he is in devotional service, to her. Mm-hmm. And it's a different frequency than what you're speaking of. But it's like, you know, if she says something, it, it's kind of like his version of being the altar where, you know, like he, he can come on her and, and she's just like, I receive it all as, you know, as, as your sacred seed and blessing. Well, as a man, you know, everything can be received as an opportunity to be in devotional service. Right. So also, what does that mean? Devotional so, service. What, so like if I'm a, if I'm a man listening and I want to know what it means to be in devotional service to a woman. Well, it's, 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 and, and so this is where we get really, so it's not necessarily to a woman. It's, it's to the feminine. Okay. Just like the feminine is in devotional service to the masculine. It's not her. It's the energy that is inside of her that you're in union with. Gotcha. Right. Which is different because you're, you're in service to, uh, life itself as it's moving in her. Right. Um, and so if life itself has a request, you know, that's an opportunity to bring more of life itself through. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in devotional service, it's like, oh yes, uh, you know, I, I can do that. And anything that is like a, you know, a, a demand or, um, or is like criticism doesn't actually get in. Cause that's a completely different frequency than you're running when you're in service, right? You're, you're still in, you're in your power when you're, you're choosing your King in service in your power. Right. And you know, she says something that's like a criticism and it's, it's like, Oh, that's cute. Right. Exactly. Right. If you're in your like King, her criticism is just, well, you're, for me, I, I'm, I'm because of my training and my orientation, I am trying to feel what's underneath that. Like there's something that's, it's probably more vulnerable for her to say that's scary to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tune in yes. to that and, and actually maybe help, uh, get her there, uh, gently, uh, because that, that's going to bring an opening. Yes, because that's what you're serving when you're in service. You're serving her opening. Right. And you're, that's, and so I'm bringing her in that moment. What I'm bringing is consciousness. Yes. Presence, consciousness, non judgment. I'm in my own receptivity, acceptance. And that allows her to open and to surrender more to me. So there's the inverse of. Yes. Of surrender to the man in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, right. Yeah. And, and I also, you know, as you know, I work with women, I mean, you work with men and so you're like, Hey, it's your responsibility. I work with women. I'm like, Hey, it's your responsibility. If I'm talking to a group of men, I'm like, it's your responsibility. Right. I mean, whoever's in front of me, it's their responsibility because it's all of our responsibilities. Yes. So it, you know, so, but to me for, for women also, there is an incredible art and I look at it as an art, not, not as like a, Oh, it's my obligation, but, but an art of the ask and of the request. I mean, this is, this is an, an art of like, how can you, um, be in your receptive feminine nature while asking for what you want it like, and, and, and not, and, and, and feeling the vulnerability of what it is. Cause it's always vulnerable for women in this. Like there's so much programming of like, it's all about his pleasure and you, you need to, you know, just make him happy. So it's like, that is so deep that women, I mean, I, I, many women that I've worked with have been in relationships for a number of years and never had an orgasm. And I'm like, okay, it's time to start speaking. And we're going to, you know, like actually open never, up the they've dialogue. they never talked about it. No, she fakes it. W women have faked orgasms for years. I mean, this is like, or, or she's like, you know, not really enjoying it and pretending like this is so common among women to be exaggerating pleasure, pretending they like things they don't. And just, just being like, a, a you know, a, a, a vessel of, of service for him, but, but like, you know, in the way that makes the feminists cringe, right? Like I get it. I get why, yeah. like I get it. It's not it, feminine pleasure wasn't in the equation. Right. And if that was my experience, I, yeah, I'd be angry. Right. Right. So, so of course, so there, you know, it's, and, and that's a, a whole, a whole thing, but it, it's like to, to have the, the awareness of the way that we are inviting. It's like not, not to demand, but rather to invite mm -hmm. what, what we want more of. And, and that also calls forth his devotional service is, is, is right. that energy of like that, you know, this is, this is how you can like, you know, really rock my world. Here's how to win with me, you right. know, and just like, give it to him, let him know all the, all the details and, and, the, and the secrets. And, um, instead of expecting him to know and then being resentful about it later. Right. Right. Yeah. This is, uh, this goes right into the heart of it. And I, I think these are issues that everybody wrestles with. I mean, even the most conscious, couples, this stuff still comes up because it's so vulnerable to ask for what we want, to ask for what we need. Probably for me, I know because, because it's vulnerable for me. Like I, in a way I relate to the women here because my orientation was to, to please the woman. So I was like a sexual object in some way. And for me to ask for what I needed in a vulnerable way was terrifying, really, really scary. And I guess the, the fear is that it won't be received. It won't be met. I won't get what I want. So there's no point in asking, or it's not going to be seen or understood or it's, or they're going to take it as though it's a criticism or a condemnation. They're going to take it personally. And then I'm not met and fell. I mean, that's, that is fucking vulnerable, especially when you're in the bedroom naked, 
I mean, it's scary, this stuff. So it's, it's yeah. so good that you are out there talking about it and more and more people are out there talking about it. Uh, because yeah, when I think about my own life, like, yeah, some of the most vulnerable moments of my life and where I've been most terrified are in bed. I also just want to normalize one thing. I, you know, I, I think I said that in the way of like women have been programmed, you know, that they can't ask for what they need. And I just want to also for everyone listening, so common for, for men to, uh, feel like they need to take what they need because they don't know how to vulnerably right. ask for it. Right? right. And so that's like also one of these dynamics where they either repress it and then it turns into shame or they take it and that also turns into shame. Yeah. And there isn't actually the direct like upright agency of, of here's what I want. Here are my desires. So as a, as a race, as a culture in general, we suck at speaking our desires. Yeah. I mean, like this is, this yeah. is the piece of like actually being able to communicate it clearly where, you know, person A can, can share and person B receives it as an opportunity to serve them. Not as they were doing something wrong or, or not as, you know, judging them for being weird, but it's like actually being in a, a healthy communication right? where, where needs and desires are being met. I mean, this is the biggest thing with, you know, people in, in relationships. And I, you know, personally, like I have such a history of it's, I, I'm really comfortable with my desire. So it's like the desire has, you know, that, that has turned on and, and didn't always, wasn't always that way, but over the years became really comfortable for me with lots of practice, which is wonderful. I love my desire. I love sharing it. It feels like an opportunity. It's great. My needs have a different frequency. It's hard for me to need things. I don't like feeling needy. Right. So, so like the, 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 the needs are hard to speak. Like it's like, it, 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 it's like the experience of like, I don't even know what I need, you know? And so, and so like learning for me, it's still a practice for me to unravel in, in relationship of, of like when I need something, it's like, I feel like, you know, I mean, in childhood, it all goes back to childhood, right? There, there was no room for my needs, you know? And, and so it's like, there just, there just wasn't. And, and I was constantly hypervigilant about everyone else's needs. So I know what everyone needs in every freaking moment, but actually knowing what I need has taken so much. And it's so, it's like the most vulnerable thing to, to need. So, and, and I mean, and that's, you know, that's a, what another deep feminine feminine code is that that's that's like the heart code right like it's like there's right. you know we've been working with some of the like womb and pussy codes and then there's like you know the heart code is is the need the yeah. feminine need yeah and that's like one of the foundations of what i teach is when you are in your complaint or demand that there's a need underneath there's a vulnerable need and can you connect with that? And are you willing to reveal it? And that's, you know, so to know that, like have that shortcut. Whenever I'm complaining to, you know, you're not doing this or you're not doing that, or, or there's a demand, you have to be this way. There's something underneath me. And that if I can express that need cleanly, right? Take responsibility for it. It's much more likely, it's almost impossible not to give somebody what they need when they're, 
wide open and vulnerable. It's like you're so compelled to give it to him because it's it's there's something so pure and and beautiful about it but it's not if we've been wounded there if we've been uh shamed directly or indirectly you know it's uh it can be terrifying so that's interesting you know i had this thought about um pornography maybe there's some aspect like it has to be serving some role you know like because when i think about like i've watched pornography and I don't think it's good to be jerking off to porn all the time, you know, as a guy, I think that's not <laughs> a good thing, but also like I've learned a lot from pornography in, and I don't watch weird porn, but, uh, that I'm seeing people, uh, doing things shamelessly, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's kind of inspiring, you know, now I know people yeah. are watching all kinds of weird and dark stuff, but there's something, I guess, I, I wonder, I mean, it's not the ultimate expression. There is, a, there is a lot of shadow there, I understand. But maybe that's part of the process that we need to go through to be able to normalize it. Because now it's like you have generate, like the generation, well, your generation and, the, and generations younger who are growing up with porn all over the internet, they're not even thinking about it. It's just there. They just, they kind of, that's how they learn about sex, for better or for worse. So something is happening where it's now more out and maybe it needs to be cleaned up, but there's something in it maybe that's good. Yeah, you know, I for the thing that I really track with with porn is 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 a couple things. One is it's highly addictive. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, it it, it it's running on a the receptors. It's like a waterfall of, you know, chemicals coming through your body in this very high sensation experience that is addictive, just like drugs. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people don't have enough like tracking on themselves to be like, huh, I'm watching this for, uh, in an anthropological experiment to learn more about shamelessness. It's, it's like they're in the full, you know, waterfall of addictive chemicals running in their body. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, I completely get what you're saying about it being, you know, a, a demonstration of shamelessness. Like I remember when I went to, uh, or, you know, in my, in my twenties, I had a a season with a, a partner where we, we went to all the swinger parties. Like that was our thing. Yeah. And that was incredibly eye opening. I might actually recommend that to people over, uh, over watching porn, right? Because you you get the shamelessness, but it's real people, right? You know, there's there's something that was like, wow, like these people are just really, there, you know, and, and I'm not saying there's not all kinds of you know yeah, shadows yeah. and things going on, but but it's like there's a, there's a real experience of what you said that really just opened me up to what was everything that was possible, right? Right. Um, and so so yes on that. And then the other piece is many men who watch a lot of porn report. I speak with them about this and in, in their, you know, in relationships and couples I work with, uh, that it, it actually, uh, desensitizes their, their, it desensitizes their perception so that only 
fast, hard, very intense things turn them on. Mm. And it desensitizes their their phys, their their physicality in that it you know they're they're used to this like high sen- you know like I said the waterfall the high sensation mixed with like the you know really hard pressure just trying to you know get off in this whole thing and then they like you know come to their wife and they're just like not really interested right so there therein we have some problems right because there's there's sexless marriages that are that also have porn addiction yeah yeah that's a problem so that's a problem i'm not i i mean i i think that porn could be I, in and there are you know there are some there's like um a woman named erica lust who mm-hmm. creates uh, more more conscious it's like more conscious porn mm-hmm. um and i think that that kind of thing can be super valuable yeah. You know, and I, and I'm seeing more of that. There's like some, I know someone else who's working on a project of like creating porn. That's more like, uh, in-depth instructional videos for you to watch with right. your partner. Right. And it's like, it's hot, but it's like actually teaching instead of it's actually education. Cause most porn isn't much education <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Uh, it just, it makes me think, cause I just saw this, uh, comment about, um, uh, I don't know, it was NFTs or video games or something. It was, it was crypto, but they're saying invest in crypto that has to do with like VR worlds. We're not going to Mars. We're going inside the computer. That's where we're going. That's the next frontier that life is what it is. And especially with all the chaos that's in the world, we're going to have more and more people disappearing into these virtual worlds. And they're going to become more and more, uh, feel more and more real. And it, it does make me, yeah, it makes me wonder like, cause there's a lot of kids growing up on porn and even women, like it's, there's yeah. women that mm-hmm. are watching yeah. porn. It's not just men mm-hmm. anymore. And that's what they know. That's what they experience. And if they experience that, if they start at like, I don't know when, I mean, if I was 14, 15 and there was porn access to porn, I, don't, I would have fucking been on, would have been non all the time. Stop. So I don't know what that's doing. It's a little fucking it's, scary. It's, it's dangerous because their, their brain is in such a plastic state that it, 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 it's really programming. And, you know, we're starting to see, or not starting to has been really over the last decade, you know, more teenagers that are incredibly insecure yeah, and, and having all kinds of, you know, just sexual challenges. Like, I, I mean, I was on a, I was on a podcast with a, a, a girl who was inter- interviewing me who was 24. And so I got to see in kind of like, just, you know, and that's just 10 years younger than me. Right. But like the difference of the way that, you know, it's so sex positive, right? Like, there's no issue with sex positivity. Like there was like more in, in, in my generation. It's, it's, it's all about like, nobody's feeling connected. Everyone's having sex and there's no connection. There's no intimacy. There's uh, a lot of, um, it's all performance based. 
of uh-huh. the things that they've seen, right? Not actually like the real true primal, you know, connection of two people like just in their their bodies together. Like there's there there's a lot you can I can see where um where this age of porn and the internet being so readily available has helped in one area but caused a whole yeah. problem and there's also I mean there's there's young boys in their early twenties that are having erectile dysfunction. Like this is becoming way more common now. And so there's, there's just, um, there's, there's something about it that I, I, I feel that there, there's, there's a, there's a gift in it. There's value in it, like you said. And there's also potential problems that we haven't even seen the, the end of yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know what it looks like when a generation grew up in porn. We don't know what that actually looks like when they're adults in, in, you know, trying to, you know, get married or find their life partner or, you know, like it's, or if they'll even be interested in that, right? Like it's like, or is there just this whole other kind of different, we, we don't know. We don't know well, what any of that. trans gender movement i mean you have to look what is that about right there's something going on other than the story that we're being told and it's almost like are we moving toward uh, a kind of androgyny yeah yeah that's that's like i mean there's that thought right like is and if we're if we enter into the vr world and we have all of the science and we can create babies out in the lab do we need this masculine, feminine, men, women, is that a thing that's, are we going to evolve beyond that in some way and become sort of unisexual? That sounds fucking horrible to me. Like, do we need to have sex with people? Sex is dirty. Remember when we had dirty sex? Now we can just do it in VR. I mean, like there was a movie, Sandra Bullock was in a movie about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 Again, it's like, I mean, and, and then it's like, am I just resistant to that? Because it's uh, something I don't know and different. And I'm like, mm, I no, don't know. There's no. a real weird feeling that, that I, I have about it. And everyone can make their choices. But, you know, there's, I'm really, I'm, I'm old school in the way that like, I feel like all of this sexuality, all of it is actually about connection. Yeah. And it's actually like the the most like deep intimate way that we can be in the deepest union and connection with another human being. Mm -hmm. Like how important is that? Yeah. And, and to not lose sight of that, that's the need that this is, that this is filling inside is connection. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, uh, well, maybe, maybe let me just read cause it feels like that's what, you're fighting for in some way because knowing your magic whenever you tried to conform was a place you shut down your magic people toned down their magic by hiding out behind drama and trauma being seen as all that you are behind beyond the trauma is the vulnerable part uh trauma is a habitual loop protecting the exposure of the tremble of your soul when the trauma is released you feel naked herein lies your magic and then and then you write and that, that kind of relates to some stuff that, that, that we've been talking about, Op- and as does this opening to receive. One reason people block themselves from receiving because they're only willing to receive what they know. That's so fucking good. 
I used to watch myself create turbulence in my field because I unconsciously liked the familiar and high sensation experience of frustration. To admit that one gets off in the things their conscious mind does not like is the price of admission to working with alchemy. When I feel all the sensation of frustration without resistance, receiving all the charge as nourishment, I don't need to keep creating turbulence. The nourishment of turbulence has been received and I can move on. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, it's, it's, it's from the... The, the notion, the assertion, the potential that some part of me is creating everything in my field, including the things that I don't like. And that that part of me is, he's, he's hot. <laughs> that part of me that is creating the things that I don't like wants to be fulfilled by its creation. And if I'm consistently holding it off, like, oh my God, I don't like that, I don't like that, then that part of me never gets to experience the fulfillment of receiving its creation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I allow myself to actually just receive the frustration, the turbulence, whatever it is, like out of the mind level, this kind of goes back to what we started with, with like the unraveling work of really coming into the body and seeing like what on a sensational level of this, am I just getting off on? Like what do I just really love about frustration? Oh, I get this like tense, I get a little hot, you know, like there's like, it's like when things go wrong, I get to like, I get to see myself like come in and be my own hero or, you know, I mean, there's all these different kind of patterns that we can play out, play out. And if, if we find the way to, or just allow ourselves, it's, it's, it's not finding anything. It's actually an allowing ourselves to just receive the sensation of that, Mm. the feeling of that as, as if it's like everything that we wanted. Right. Right. And then it completes this, this like very strange thing happens. It feels strange every time I feel it happen or witness it in someone else. It's not strange, but when I feel it, it's like, I feel the fulfillment of wanting to be frustrated. And all of a sudden it's like this, like this, like short circuit scramble happens in in the system. And it's like, Oh, I'm now, now I'm just in fulfillment. I'm actually experiencing fucking fulfillment right now. And, and, and in the fulfillment, then it's like, okay, now, now what do I want to create? And, and it's just like moving on and this process can become really quick and it's, this is alchemy. This is how you work with, you know, a, a, a kind of entry level of alchemy and transmutation. That's really interesting. So you develop these kind of systems inside your own mind as things come up in life, as the natural, as life flows through and you face frustration or challenges or you, you have, it seems like you've oriented yourself to be able to, to meet them and, uh, and you surrender to what's there. You let yourself cry. You let yourself laugh. You let yourself feel your pleasure, your frustration, whatever it is. And is this, is this, and and it ultimately goes back to what we started with. It's like this deep sense of embodied presence and a willingness to be with everything that's here. Is that like on some fundamental level, like what you're teaching people 
like in your work, like just to be with everything that's here. And if you do that, you are going to actually experience pleasure. Yeah. I mean that, that really is a, a big part of it. Um, because you know, kind of circling back to something you said earlier, which was like, it initially came like my work was initially about, you know, people connecting with their sexual energy again. Right. And then it became about people just always being in relationship with the truth. Right. And, right. and it feels like that is what this is now is, is like to be so fully in relationship with the truth that you're just in rapture with it. And, and just in, in the meeting of it in, in, in such a way that is, is it's like, it, it feels absurd to the human mind because we constantly resisting things, but it's, it's like taking the, you know, the Buddhist philosophy of, um, non-resistance and like bringing it all the way into the field of like, what about just being turned on by life? You know, what, what about actually just like being so fully in the meeting of this thing that you really dislike that you allow yourself to fully receive it and be in your natural embodied state, which is bliss. Jamie Thompson. Thank you. We didn't get to the light language. (laughs) But maybe we'll save that for another time. Next time we talk about light language and channeling. Yeah, I want to talk about aliens. (laughs) 